0: Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Over this uh, last week, we kicked off our new series uh, entitled Powerful Prayers, praying the prayers that Jesus prayed, revealing what they speak to us. And last week, we started with the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in Luke chapter 11. The Lord's Prayer, speaking about last week, when we pray, we pray to the Father. So as we go through this series, we're going to be looking at who, what, when, where, and why should we pray, answering those questions. Last week, we talked about who we should pray to. We pray to the Father God. And this morning, we're going to be looking at what should we pray? What should we pray from the Lord's Prayer? As Jesus taught His disciples, He's continuing through His Word to teach us. And so we want to make sure that our hearts are open, our ears are ready to receive, But the Lord has. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray together. And as we pray, I want to pray through the Lord's Prayer with you. So would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 I remember I grew up in Kerman. How many know where Kerman is? Beautiful town. And I grew up there, and I remember playing in the neighborhood back when kids used to do that. You know, running the streets. And uh, playing ball in the middle of the road, and somebody would yell car, and we'd all scatter. You know what I mean? Do you guys remember? Kids do that these days, or do you guys just play video games? I don't know what you all do. Now, but we used to play in the streets, and I grew up in a neighborhood, and all my friends were Latino. I don't know if you could tell or not, you know? They call me Casper in the streets. But uh, all my friends were Latino, and we would be playing in the backyard of somebody's house and stuff. And all of a sudden, I remember playing, and I would hear this horn blast. All my friends would go running. I'm like, where are y'all going? Where are they going? And they would yell, Pan. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, Peter? Peter Pan? I don't understand. Where are y'all? What's going on? So they, I'd go I'd follow them and I remember walking, there's a truck in the middle of the road. The whole back would be open, and it would just be a colorful array, racks of bread, you know, huge. And I thought to myself, these are crazy-looking donuts, you know. These are, these are crazy. And all my friends would eat them, and I, and I would have some of it, and it was good, and I enjoyed it. And anytime they heard that, they would get so excited. The truck didn't come around every time in the neighborhood, not every day that we were playing, but it would come around, and when it came around and we heard the horn blast, we would run to get some fun. And it was exciting. And my, my friends would always run to it no matter if they had money or not. They would, hopefully, the guy would see sadness in our eyes and, and have pity on us. Please, sir, may I have some pan? Por favor, in mi alma. Gracias por la comida. In Espíritu Santo. You know what I mean? It was just like, please, Lord, provide for us. And they would want it. Was that I don't know if I, what I said, really, but I believe that God was in it. My friends loved it and couldn't wait for the truck to come by. And every day when it did, they would treat themselves. And I think it's interesting now, what, I, looking back, what kind of joy was brought to us by bread. You know what I mean? So much joy was brought by some bread. And now I, I'm really conflicted because nowadays I'm an adult and now everybody's telling us that bread is bad for us. You know, don't eat those carbs. Or you're not going to enjoy it. Bread is unhealthy. And I think that, no, bread brings me great joy still to this day. Amen? Does, does anybody else enjoy bread out there? Come on, somebody. You, you know, if, if, you, you, never, you never know that you're craving bread until the moment you try to give it up. You know what I mean? The burger is just not the same wrapped in lettuce as it is wrapped in bread. And in fact... You know, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus when he taught us to pray. He said, Lord, give us our daily bread. Not give us our daily broccoli. He did not say, he did not say, I am the kale of life. No, he said, I am the bread of life and bread is good for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord provides the pan that we need this morning. Amen. I want to point out that Jesus is a good Father who gives us good gifts. We talked about that last week. When we pray to the Father, we are reminded of His goodness towards us. We are reminded of our identity as sons and daughters of the Father. We we're reminded of our closeness to Him. And it's good to pray that He would give us our daily bread. As we turn to this passage of Scripture, this prayer that Jesus gave His disciples to learn and to grow. Oftentimes in the church, we turn it into a spiritual saying only. When we pray, God, would you give us our daily bread, we think, oh yeah, there's those, you know, the little uh, devotionals that, that we used to give out. I don't know if we still have them in the back. It's called daily bread. And typically now in the church, when we pray, God, give us our daily bread, we're thinking solely spiritually. But Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples, he wasn't making it just a spiritual declaration. He was actually trying to remind us that God meets even our physical needs daily. There is a dependency on the Lord that now, being in the U.S., that we have lost some of that because a lot of us are not praying to God for where our next meal will come from. Some of us are, and you understand what it means to pray, God, give us our daily bread because we are hungry. And I want to remind us this morning that God seeks not only to meet us spiritually, but he also desires to meet us physically. And when we are people who are willing to meet people's needs physically, he will also meet their needs spiritually. And we need to be a people who understand that point one this morning, our needs are met by God. Our needs are met are met by God. If you're following on, along in the YouVersion Bible app, if you have a smartphone, you can follow along in the notes. If you click on the More tab on the bottom then hit Events, Hosanna Worship Center will pop up and you will have these notes there in front of you. Not only are we to go to God to meet our spiritual needs, but we are also to go to Him and trust Him for our physical daily needs as well. And we tend to miss this in a land that we are so blessed that if we are hungry, we go to the store. If we are thirsty, we grab something to drink, forgetting that God is the one who has blessed this nation in the first place. And if it was not for him and his blessing upon our nation, we would be hungry and thirsty like the rest of the world in most parts. It's our God who blesses us. It is our God who has given us ample supply of food and water and life, and he has not forgotten us. I think this kind of prayer connects back to what my dad had just said, the God of the universe who spun our world and set us upon it. This great and vast God who measures the span of the universe with the span of his hand and holds the water in the palm of his hand, he also knows your very needs. He knows what you need and when you need it. And Jesus is reminding us in this prayer, day by day, God, give us our daily bread. Provide for us our needs because you know them so intimately. We were having a conversation this weekend with some friends talking about the epidemic of anxiety and worry in our society. So many people are wrestling now, are having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, and it's And it's ruling their lives, and several of them don't even know why they're having it. There's so many things that are causing this, and I believe one of the reasons why anxiety attacks are on the rise is because we have forgotten the one who meets our daily needs. Because we have forgotten the one who cares for us day in and day out, we pick up the responsibility of caring for our own needs, and we think that we have to do it on our own. And life is too hectic and life is too hard to think that you are the solution to all of your problems. To think that you're the one who's supposed to have the answer for everything. Can I tell you, you're not. There are going to be things in your life that you you have to confront that will confront you. And the only solution is found in Jesus. And when you think that you're the one who has to come up with the solution, that's when anxiety and worry and stress begin to overwhelm you. And in our society, we have forgotten to pray, God, our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We have forgotten to pray a prayer like that. And so then we carry a lot of the responsibility that we've never been called to carry. I think the solution to that is getting back to the style and the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Every day, God, would you provide for our needs? What does that that mean? What does that do for us as believers in Jesus? One, it reminds us that we don't have to do it alone. How many of you have ever felt like you've had to carry responsibilities in your life by yourself? Right? Right? I noticed a lot of mothers raising your hand because there's so much weight that weighs upon your shoulders as a mother and feeling like you have to care for your family, make sure that clothes are clean and there's food in everyone's stomach. And it can become heavy. And I would encourage you to be reminded that your heavenly father knows what you need and cares for you deeply, so much so that he sent his son to die for you that you could be in relationship with him And his son to teach you how to pray to him, the Father. And men, we carry it as well. We just maybe it might be some pride the reason why we don't raise our hands. Like uh, that's another issue. We can't even (laughs) we can't even confess when we have anxiety and stress. But I know that we do. I know that we do. Can we be reminded as men that we serve a heavenly Father who is stronger than we are, who knows what it means? to sacrifice everything for his family. And he knows you. And he sees you. And he encourages you to pray to him that he would meet your daily needs. Every need. Every need. Another way that we combat anxiety and worry in our society is to be grateful. Gratitude is the attitude that confronts anxiety. It's true, isn't it? When you are grateful for the things that God has given to you, it reminds us that He is the one who's providing for us. He's the one who's doing it for us. From the smallest things to the greatest things, James 1.17 says this, All good and perfect gifts come from the Father in heaven. All good and perfect gifts. doesn't mean all great, powerful gifts only. doesn't mean all these, just the small gifts. Every good thing that is in your life has come from the Father. And so turn to the Lord and say, God, thank you for the clothes on my back, the food in my stomach, the shoes on my feet, everything. Thank you, Jesus. And that confronts anxiety and worry because it reminds your head and your heart that Jesus is the one that's still in control of your life. It's a powerful teaching that Jesus gave to us, this this prayer that he taught his disciples to pray like this. To pray in this style with gratitude to your Father who meets your every need. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father. Our Father. So we ask Him to provide day by day. And it reminds us where to direct our gratitude that will drive our attitude. Verse 4 says this, And forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. What are we praying here for? We're praying for our daily needs that will be met by our Father both physically and spiritually, and we're also asking for forgiveness of our sin. Remember, this is the type of prayer that Jesus taught His disciples, and He said, when you pray, pray like this. Pray like this. Sometimes I feel like when we have these prayers that Jesus has given, we make it a ritual to repeat those prayers as He says them and and sometimes it's good because it reminds us of to pray, but he's saying this is a model so that no matter what you're doing and no matter what's going on in your day, pray like these things. Pray and thank the Lord that he would meet your need and pray and ask for forgiveness daily. Seeking the forgiveness of our sins daily is a needed thing because Jesus knows that we are not perfect. He knows that we are broken people and his expectation, he does not put perfection as an expectation on your life. Do you know that? Jesus is not walking around saying, man, I wish these people would just be perfect. He doesn't put that expectation. That's why he teaches us to ask for forgiveness daily because he's not expecting us to pretend to be perfect. He wants us to be real. He's wanting us to be authentic with our faith and where we are. And he says, daily ask for forgiveness because I know there will be days where you have not made wise choices. He knows that we're in a fallen state. But what he does expect for us to do daily is to seek his forgiveness so that we can walk in right relationship with him, that our sin would not be a hindrance to our relationship with Jesus. But that's not the end of the verse of verse 4. Jesus also says that our forgiveness isn't solely based on our asking, It is also connected to our ability to forgive others who have sinned against us. Silence in the room. Did you know that your ability to be forgiven is contingent upon your willingness to forgive? Another translation says this, Forgive us as we forgive others. As we are in the midst of forgiving Or, because we are forgiving, would you continue to forgive us? Our unforgiveness towards others can hinder our own forgiveness of sin. My second point for you this morning, if you're taking notes, is forgiveness is conditional. Not everyone will be forgiven. And you also play a part in your forgiveness. Not in the sense that you have to earn it, because Jesus has given it to us freely, He paid it all on the cross for us so we can't earn His forgiveness but we certainly can hinder it from continuing. Amen. We can stop His forgiveness by the way we treat each other. If we say, God, I want you to forgive but I cannot forgive them, God says, well, you're stopping my flow of forgiveness to your life because you have stopped forgiveness to flow from out of you to others. It reminds me of the verse that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18. He tells the parable of the unforgiving servant who approached the king. He owed the king millions of dollars, as it would be translated to our day. And the king had called his debt, and he went to the king and said, "Uh, give me time. I'll try to repay it. And he I don't know if I'll be able to repay it. And the king says, I know that you won't be able to. That's why I have chosen to forgive you of the debt. I wipe it away. You are forgiven. And that's what Jesus does for us. He knows that we cannot pay the debt. So he went to the cross to pay it for us. And he gives it to us freely. But watch this. For us to remain in forgiveness now, we must also be ones who freely forgive. Because the servant now goes to another servant who owes him a couple hundred dollars. And he begins to choke him out because he hasn't paid him his money. And the king hears back that the servant did not forgive a couple hundred even though he had been forgiven millions. And the king says, because you have failed to forgive your brother, I now call you into account for everything that was previously forgiven. Is that not a scary thought? To know That our way we treat each other, the love and forgiveness we have towards others, could stop our own forgiveness with the Heavenly Father, who freely gave it but can choose to recall it if we are unforgiving people. If that does not shake you to the core, I don't know what will. Because we cannot be people who claim to be followers of Jesus, who have accepted the forgiveness of a Heavenly Father who shouldn't even care about us. And we've accepted it. And then to say, I choose not to forgive those who have hurt me. How dare we, as followers of Jesus, choose to be unforgiving. Despite what people have done, no matter how heinous the crime. Because everything that Jesus bore on the cross for us, the darkest and the most corrupt and the most perverted of sins he died for. And those sins were not against just anyone. It was against God himself. And he chose to forgive it anyway. So we must walk in that kind of forgiveness. Now, is it going to be easy? No. It happens through transformation of Jesus changing our hearts to love the way he loves. The way that he chooses. Does it mean that we put ourselves back in situations to be hurt like that again? No. It doesn't mean that we act ignorantly of what has happened, but it means that we don't hold bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness towards others. We are called to walk in forgiveness. And our forgiveness is conditional upon our choice to allow forgiveness to flow through us. The last part of verse 4 says this, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When I read this scripture, and I've read it before, I always was a bit confused by it. Anybody else? Lead us not into temptation. Why would we be praying, God, don't lead us into temptation? Why would God lead us into temptation? I was always confused. Why why do I have to ask you? Wouldn't it be mindful of you not to lead me to something that's going to destroy me? No, anybody else? Everything like that? Conversation with the Lord? No? Okay. All right. No, you're like, oh, (laughs) I completely understand that verse. I always found it interesting that Jesus taught us and his disciples to pray that God wouldn't lead us into temptation because doesn't the Bible say that, Jesus, that God never tempts us? In fact, James 1, 13 says that. Let no one say that he, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. We know that God would not lead us to something that would hurt us, or reign over us, because even when Jesus died on the cross and our sin was on Him, God turned away from it, because He cannot look upon sin and draw us towards it. He can't do it. It's against His nature. So why would we pray, God, lead us not into temptation? Because we believe that God wouldn't lead us there, but we also read when Jesus was baptized in water by John the Baptist and he went into the desert. It says that he was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. So why is Jesus having us pray here? Not to be led into temptation, knowing that God does not tempt us with sin or evil. What Jesus is having us pray here is actually connected to the day-to-day prayer of daily bread. Jesus knows every day temptation is there with us he knows that temptation like the need for daily bread he knows that temptation will always be there as well every day we will face temptation God doesn't lead, need to lead us towards temptation because temptation is around every corner Jesus is saying something actually different here he's saying when you pray ask God the father Not to lead us into temptation. Meaning that he would not allow us to stop and be consumed or engulfed in that temptation where it would engulf us and take over us. Don't lead us into it. Help us overcome it. Help us to to win the battle against the enemy. Don't allow us to be engulfed. What's the prayer God, when you're leading us, don't allow us to turn to the left or to the right and be engulfed in this sin. Would you make sure, God, that every day as I'm following you, I know the temptation will be there, but as temptation comes, will you help steer me away from it, is what the prayer is about. Not leading us to temptation, but leading us away from it. Does that make sense? This is why the next line says in the prayer, but deliver us from the evil one, or deliver us from evil. God, when I'm following you daily, I know there will be times, there will be instances where I am tempted in my thoughts, in my actions. And God, when those temptations come, but I am still following you, help me, deliver me from this temptation. Don't allow me to be consumed by it. This is a prayer we should all be praying. Do you agree? Because temptation is everywhere. It is there to bring us down. The enemy is there seeking our demise. The Bible tells us that he is like a roaring lion going to and fro looking for those that he could devour. And he seeks to devour you. But if you would be mindful that every day there will be a temptation or multiple temptations that will seek to to bring you down. Pray, God, deliver me from this temptation. Don't allow me when those moments come To turn my eyes towards them, help me keep my eyes on you. Point number three this morning is temptation is inevitable, but sinning is not. Temptation is inevitable. You will be tempted. Jesus was tempted, but he did not sin. You will be tempted, but you don't have to sin. Temptation is inevitable, but sinning is not inevitable. You have a choice because Jesus broke the power of sin over you. No longer are you a slave to sin. Now you can make sin uh, bow to you. You can be the master over it because Jesus is leading you, not into temptation, but away from it and delivering you from the evil one. Just like the bond truck that blows its horn, telling us, come get some goodies, doesn't mean we have to run into the street every time we hear the horn blast. Amen. Just because the temptation is there going, ba <laughs> does not mean we have to run into the streets and see what color pastries they have today. God can deliver us. Amen. Maybe you're thinking you mixed metaphors there, but you know what? I can do whatever I want. God is good. You see that there are temptations that have our number. There are sins that we've given into before we met Christ that the enemy will continue to go back to to see if if we really have had a heart change. There are temptations that will always call your name because the enemy wants to see if he can maybe slip you up just one more time. There's always going to be that itch that the enemy is hoping that you will scratch. But Jesus' prayer helps us to get perspective and say, God, I know that when temptation comes... I'm not going to run to it, but oh God, would you help me run from it in the name of Jesus? Would you help me? Would you deliver me from the evil one? The Bible tells us to flee, to run from, especially, gentlemen, sexual temptation because it's the one that will trap us so easily. And young men, I speak to you, be wise and know in our society the enemy will use sexual things to trap you. So run. Run. And young women now, it's the same tool the enemy is using to, to pull you down and distract you. Run. It's not something to mess around with. It's a temptation that leads to bondage and corrupts your identity. But Jesus says, pray this prayer. And when we are tempted, God Turn me from it. Turn me towards you. And deliver me from this evil. And all his people said, amen. Jesus' powerful prayer here given to us, his disciples, teaches us that in in this section of scripture that God is the one who meets our needs, forgives us as we forgive others, and delivers us from the things that tempt us. But we have a choice today. We have a choice to either trust God for these things Or not to trust Him. And my question for you this morning is, do you trust that He'll meet all your needs, or don't you? Do you believe He will forgive you? Do you believe that you even are in need of forgiveness? Do you believe that God can deliver you from every temptation so that actually, when you follow Him, you can continue to follow Him and not turn aside? To follow God is to put your trust in Him. And what that looks like for a life of a believer is to confess your faith in Jesus, surrendering your life daily to Him and choosing daily to allow Him to meet your needs. If you're already following the Lord, are you putting your trust in His provision for your life? Do you believe that Worry and anxiety are more believable than God. When we are consumed with worry, consumed with stress, consumed with anxiety, we believe their words more than we believe God's word. Do you believe God's word over your anxious heart? Are the words of your mouth more negative about the situation than they are positive Or perhaps you're believing with your mouth, but your heart is still anxious. My challenge for you today, those who follow Christ, is to choose to believe that God is your provision. He will meet your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. And I believe as seasoned believers, for those who have been following Christ for years, I believe the word of forgiveness is for us. The word of forgiveness. Because the longer... That you are in church, the more opportunities you have to be offended. The more opportunities you have to be hurt by others. Can I get an amen? It just seems to be that way. The more chances you rub shoulders with people, the more opportunity you have to be offended by those people. But forgiveness is crucial to continue and remain in the fellowship of, of Christ, it's crucial. And as we grow older, the more judgmental we can become, the more stubborn, the more bitter, the more hurt. But God tells us, as seasoned followers, you've been following me now, don't give it up. Continue to lead the way in forgiveness so that my forgiveness doesn't get stopped up and become a cesspool of unforgiveness. It has to flow through us. And I typically see younger believers who have experienced the love and forgiveness of God are so much easier now to walk in forgiveness, but it's us who've been walking for years. All of a sudden, we just lose our patience. And we have a lot less grace than we used to. Amen? That word is for us. Jesus' word for us today is to be reminded that our forgiveness is in proportion to our willingness to forgive. So all of us have a choice today. No matter where you're at in life, if you're not a confessing believer in Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to Him, or if you're a newfound believer in Jesus and you're walking with the Lord, or you're a seasoned believer, you still have a choice through this prayer. God speaks to all of us in every aspect of life, every, every avenue that we're on. Jesus is still speaking to us. You always have a choice. We always are continuing to grow and grow up in the image of Christ. And he calls us today to grow in him.